made on Zencaster. I think hearing loss is important. It does affect your ability to socialize. Because like when you have to ask somebody like what the second time, <laughs> and especially if it's like a funny joke or a funny story, it definitely takes the gas out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like asking someone to explain the joke, kind of. Yeah. So I, I think if it happens constantly, I can definitely imagine how like. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you don't have to imagine. You've told it to me to my face already. Okay. Hi, welcome back to the Dental Penguins Pod. We are your hosts, Eric, and I'm Michael. First of all, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to our viewers. Hope you're staying safe. Today we have a very special guest with us. The man's packing some accolades, so let me begin. He's an SF native. He's nice with the violin and the volleyball. Got his DDS dentist degree at the age of 22. And most importantly, one of our closest friends, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Husseini. Oh, wow. Thanks. Hi, guys. My name's Charles. Thanks for that wonderful introduction, Eric. All right. Well, before we begin, uh, anything you want to let us know immediately or correct or add to that fire intro? Um, well, first, Merry Christmas. Second thing I wanted to add is Husseini is how I prefer my last name to be pronounced. But Husseini is not incorrect either. It's <laughs> it's the right way to pronounce it, I think. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, isn't is Husseini the more authentic way of saying it? Yeah, that? it is. It is. Um, okay. But I guess I grew up with my, my parents and my family just saying Hus Husseini. I don't know if that's a way to distinguish us from the... Uh, other Indonesians there, but yes, you're right. It is more authentic. I, f I feel like this isn't what you told me last night, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is more authentic. It is, um, but no, that's what my family says. Husaini is what my dad kind of went with. All right. Well, I mean, let's just start with uh, what you did recently. I know you're kind of into. Um, you're living currently near this NYC, and uh, you're mm -hmm. kind of into Broadway, right? Um, can you tell us about anything you've seen recently? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, two days ago, I went to Broadway show, um, Neil Diamond. It's a new show on Broadway. I don't think a lot of people know about it, but I was just coming across tdf.com, and it's a, kind of a way for people to get discounted tickets and just browsing around. And another show that I watched recently about three months ago, uh, three weeks ago was kind of parody called Stranger Sings. And yeah, I mean, these, these things are pretty affordable. So if you're a student or... You know, if you're just visiting NYC on a low budget, definitely go out to, to check out off-Broadway shows because, if anything, it's it's more up close and personal than those those big Broadway shows that have like thousands of seats. Nice, nice. How do you like rank the you know Broadways that you see in your head? You know, I've seen the Book of Mormon with you. I mean, I thought that was uh -huh. pretty good, but I don't have too much experience with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. The best one. Well, I guess the one that really holds a place in in my heart would be wicked i didn't see that here in new york city though that was back when when i was in sf when i was like 13 years old that for sure was probably the top three i, I guess i can't really pick one as my favorite but that's just me constantly listening to the soundtrack over and over again for like at least i don't know like six months and we started playing it in orchestra in high school too so yeah a really nostalgic broadway show if i were to watch it again spongebob was a really good one that's the first one i watched when I moved, officially moved to New York City, I was 2018. All the original humor from the old generation of SpongeBob, you know, not not the new one that I can't really follow, but yeah, the, everything up to like the uh, the squeaking of his shoes, to like Mr. Krabs and how he walks, the little like, you know, 
those little crab legs walking across the the plank that's up there too but yeah i don't know i mean really all of them are amazing i guess the one that i that didn't stick out to me oh my gosh i'm forgetting what it's called but i think i'm into musicals and so i saw one that wasn't really a musical it's just they never really changed the the stage set you know and it and it just talked the whole time no singing well i i, I can imagine why you can't remember <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not that oh i remember now <laughs> the fairy man <laughs> It's called the fairy fan. So not a musical. It's just I couldn't even follow the plot. But but yeah, I mean, I can still appreciate the art. Just live performance. Gotcha. Well, I'm I'm surprised to know that you think like the price is affordable. That wasn't like the initial impression that I got. I feel like that was common stereotype for Broadway. It's just like, wow, it's expensive tickets. Uh, I'm glad you you feel that way. Do you get uh, student discounts? Yeah. So the TDF, it's like a membership. So yeah, there, there are multiple ways to meet the requirements to join this membership and it, once you get in you um get discounted tickets for a lot of things gotcha i mean uh, i will say broadway definitely uh is designed for live viewing um that's probably why it, you know it costs significantly more and when it converts to digital form i mean personally you know when disney plus came out they put the uh, hamilton show on on disney plus to stream and you know Hamilton is like supposedly one of the best ones that I've heard, but like when I saw it in the streaming form, I just could not get into it. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I, I appreciate the streaming form because like they have subtitles, and I think a, a big complaint that I have during live performances is I like I can't make out exactly what they're saying or singing, so I can't really follow the story that well. Yeah, I think that's a big benefit to having oh, yeah. having watching it online, having the closed captions. I mean, it's kind of like Loki telling you, like, well, why didn't you get a more expensive ticket then? You know what I mean? That, that, <laughs> that's why I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they 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 could add something uh, to help us. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand some of it either, too. So I agree with that complaint. Dude, did you check out this? Um, so I found this through uh, Fung Bros Pod, but um, apparently there was a Broadway called K-pop that got canceled. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I didn't know it got canceled, but it's on TDF. It's actually on my list of things I wanted to watch. But you said it got canceled. Oh, that's that's what I heard because they just couldn't sell enough tickets. Oh. And uh, it it was a discussion about like clearly there's a lot of demand for K-pop live concerts, but it's just like ah, this is just you know maybe it's just not the right format because the kind of crowd that a theater performance attracts is not necessarily the K-pop fans. Yeah, I think in general, Broadway doesn't really attract Gen Zs and younger millennials. I mean, on TDF, one of the requirements that you can satisfy is being under 30 years old. So anybody under 30 can sign up for TDF. So I think they're just trying to keep the arts alive. Gotcha. gotcha. And apparently they couldn't with this K-pop one. Yeah, oh well. You know, sometimes you got to get the format right. All right, uh, so next topic, I wanted to talk about a little bit of finance and uh, I wanted to actually kind of start with a story that happened to me and uh, see what you guys think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, I mean, not to throw people under the bus, but you know, it's about my sister and you know, <laughs> it, it all comes from love. So I'll put that caveat on before I begin. So in our family, I uh, pay for everybody's phone bills except my sister's. Well, because AT&T, I felt like was, you know, ripping us off and I wanted to change phone service and stuff like that, but nobody was motivated enough to change except me. So I just kind of took on the whole mantle and just uh, decided to take care of the bill. But I don't know why, like, I think she just wanted to pay or something and I don't really like to argue about these things. So how, how she does is basically, I pay for everybody's bill and at the end of the month, uh, she'll usually Venmo me the phone bill 
uh, for the month after. So what I mean by that is like at the end of May, she'll Venmo me saying that, oh, phone bill for June and then so on and so on and so forth, right? Uh, she's not very consistent with it. So sometimes I might get the payment on okay. the 21st. Sometimes I get on the 29th. Sometimes I don't even get until the next month. I've been telling her like, hey, why don't you like make a reminder on your phone or something? And to this day, uh, she has not done it. Wait, wait, just to clarify. Wait, so sh you're paying the whole family's bills, but sh you're letting her pay for her own part? Yeah, so basically I'm not paying for my sisters because I do pay for her bill, but then she reimburses me back via Venmo at the end of the month. Uh -huh. All right. Okay. So, so that's how I've been doing things. But um, so late December, well, so a couple of days ago, <laughs> oh. <laughs> a couple of days ago, I get a Venmo of $200. That's not the phone bill. And it just said, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, I love you, bro, stuff like that. And so I guess I just kind of accepted it as I took it. And I was like, oh, th thanks. I appreciate that. Quotation marks, it didn't say like, oh, this is for the phone bill. So you, yeah, so you see where I'm going with this. So basically, <laughs> basically, my immediate next reaction was irritation. Because now I think, okay, I'm not going to get the phone bill this month. Okay. So it reminded me of an example in the movie. Uh, I know, Michael, you've seen this, but Charles, have you seen uh, Pursuit of Happiness? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, that's from the SF. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, Will Smith starring as Chris. Uh, it's basically a broke man's journey to financial independence, but he goes through some tribulations throughout the story. And there's a side character, I'm not sure if you guys remember, called... Wait, Michael, you've seen it, right? Yeah, we saw it like seven times in school. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So there's a side character in the story called Wayne. Uh, he's uh, Chris's friend, and he shows up in three scenes. One is uh, basically it introduces the fact that Wayne owes Chris some money for whatever reason, right? Second scene is that Chris needs to move out of his apartment, so Wayne kind of helps him out. It, it, they use uh, Wayne's car to move the stuff around about two blocks or something, right? And the third scene is... Chris is now really doing doing really bad. So he comes back to Wayne and asks Wayne, hey, Wayne, I really need my money back. Where is it? And Wayne says, I thought I didn't owe you that money. And at this point, like Chris is seething with anger, right? And he says, why would you think that you don't owe me the money, Wayne? And he says, because I helped you move. And this is the kind of vibe that I get. It's like, I think implicit things can be acceptable in certain social situations but it's like my opinion is just like when it comes to money everything has to be just straight up explicit right if wayne didn't say prior to helping him move that oh this is to reimburse you for the money that i owe uh, in my opinion wayne still clearly owes him that money whether he helped him move or not right and i feel like in life i just kind of ran into this kind of people mm -hmm. and it's like i'm not gonna bring that it's this up to my sister and i because i, cause I I believe how she'll react is like find it offensive or find it petty because it's like technically she gave me a lot more money than I'm I'm owed right technically but it's like for me it's what bothers me is kind of the principal aspect of it right mm -hmm. um, so that's well, how I, I feel and uh, I wanted to ask you guys what you think uh, I mean Michael I'll let you go first since you want to jump in right here yeah I was curious because I think maybe two things right because this is something that recently happened one you know maybe you're jumping a little too far ahead because it hasn't happened yet right for the next bill you know maybe she's planning on paying you still anyways and then two I was curious is well what if she gave you $200 and she told you oh I just want to pay you beforehand uh, a lump sum 
so I won't pay you the next month or two or whatever. Would you be upset if she said that? No. So first of all, uh, yeah, I also kind of make sure to include that part. You know, I could end up, yeah. you know, uh, eating my words because you know, <laughs> we still have like five days or something like that. But no, that would not bother me because that means she's making that explicit. This money is for X and Y, mm -hmm. right? But it's the, uh, that's not how it came across. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I think something like this, it needs to be explicit. And like, even if it comes off as you being petty or something like that, like her understanding or anybody understanding that you need that sort of structure to like have a healthy relationship with anybody that you have that you share your money with. I think it's something that needs to be black and white, something that's on the contract. It doesn't allow for misinterpretations. It doesn't allow for any gray areas that can hurt a relationship. Uh, it kind of brings me back to when I was in high school. Like, I feel like one of the vices I had that stuck with me is like, if you ever owe someone money, no matter how small, you need to get back to them and give it to them. Like you have to, because that's one of those things that will will ruin a relationship over time. Because in the back of their head, yeah, they're gonna remember like, oh, or they might not remember, or maybe you, subcon you subconsciously think that you owe them something, even if it's just two bucks, even if it's just they got you that cookie at the beanery. It's it does take a toll, I think, subconsciously. Yeah, I think it certainly is a kind of an integrity issue. I think it can certainly ruin friendship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for sure. You know, Michael, I don't know if you remember, but the uh, last time I was there, you know, we had the the, the, the tofu and the tofu. Uh, yeah, what like tofu? with the, you know, CK and oh, 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 event, the tofu right? oh. yeah. And, and um, I, I think you like took care of my bill as well. And I ended up paying you back. But like, I kind of forgot about it because I, I, got, I got home and I just kind of was living my own life. And yeah. I'm glad I remember. And I want you to know, like, it really bothered me. I understand it, but I think at the same time for me, I'm not bothered by it because when I went to visit you in, in Virginia, uh, you took care of a lot of stuff. So, you know, this time you were coming over, I was planning, you know, to take care of hopefully a lot of stuff too. Yeah. So I, I thought this was a good story because uh, I knew that Charles would feel the kind of more similar to how I felt about this and you'd be more lax about it. It's like what they say about like, you want to be socialist with the people who are close to you. So I'm like, I'm communist with my family. Right. Like if they want to take a little bit more from me. I want to give a little more to them. That's fine. But you want to be like, you know, capitalist with strangers because, you know, if you don't know these people, people can take advantage of you. You know, it's like you need to have more complex conversation about what's fair, what's who's do who's do what and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're more like, yeah, I mean, in general, like, I think you have that trust in me because, you know, that, you know, sometimes maybe I, I you know, do a little more for you and then sometimes you do a little more and then it's like it's not a mathematical thing it's more like how do i feel about this person mm -hmm. while in certain scenarios i do want to make it more explicit I mean, not to point a contract per se but i do want to make it like pretty ex explicit like so if i didn't tell you that oh this is for that i would still feel like i would owe you for that so mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. it's like in the back of your head too i don't know it just it's one of those things that i would add it on my list of things I have to get done. And it kind of bothers it. It bothers me when it's on my list of things I need to do. Because like, if I know that you're that kind of person and then like, you know, you do something nice for me, it's like, I can't accept that genuinely. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there's always a part of me that's like, wait, is this a reimbursement for something that I would rather get that in actual money? <laughs> oh, or things like that. Sure. So I thought it was an interesting story. Uh, like I said, you know, I could still end up eating my words, but um, yeah. Do you, do you think it has anything to do with like the amount too? Like, what if it was just five bucks? Would you feel differently? I'm sure. The, I'm yeah. I'm sure. Like, okay. Well, yeah. If you if you decrease it to that month point at that point, it's like yeah, okay. But I think it would still bother me though. Okay. It would still it would still bother me because 
I, I think it is the principle. It's just like, mm-hmm. if, if you didn't tell me that this was for that, like, uh... you know, like what are you going to do in the future when, you know, I, I think it does set up the, the tone for like what you can trust them with in the future. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we can kind of branch out in other finance aspects if you guys want to. But uh, one thing that I wanted to lead on is that, you know, Charles, you used to work, uh-huh. you know, basically as a general dentist last year and you were making a pretty good living. And now because you're in the end of program, now we're not, you know, and we're more mm-hmm. investing into our education and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, from making the amount that you were making to basically zero income, I did want to kind of know how you adjusted to this fact, how you came to terms with this fact, what bothers you about it, what doesn't, and oh, wow. uh, any yeah. advice. Because, you know, Michael's going to kind of go through the same thing next year. Yeah. Well, I found out I got into Endo over a year ago. So I had about a year to prepare for it. So like I did try to build up and collect a pretty nice egg nest. And the thing is, I didn't keep it liquid and I did invest in the stock market. And I mean, I don't know if anyone knows, but it hasn't been doing too hot this whole year. Yeah, we all know. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> so like in terms of advice, yeah, definitely keep something, some liquid amount of, of cash on the hand because even if, yeah, the stock market generally does a good job when you zoom out over the years, you kind of need that money short term, especially if you're going from income to negative income in terms of how i'm adjusting i'm definitely being more conscientious to like what i can do with my money including going on weekends i mean there's plenty of things that you can do on a budget on instagram there's like a few pages that can give you ideas there's always there's always this one page this guy i forgot his name already but i can look it up if we need to have his name on here but um he has like a a bunch of things that are under 20 bucks that you can do in new york city and yeah i mean they're they're fun stuff some stuff it's free too you're just kayaking on Hudson River, it's free for thirty minutes, stuff like that. Nice. Uh, so, Michael, what the, what do you think about that? Uh, I kind of feel like it's a mindset. I think I'm preparing for this too. You know, it, it feels kind of bad, but as long as you know that it's worth it, you know. And I think it's different on what you're gonna do in that time because mm. I'm gonna be taking out a loan for that one, right? So I know that I'll have enough money to survive those time period. And then you know that after your education is over, then hopefully your earning potential is high enough to kind of support yourself after. So I think in terms of that, it's more about like just investing in yourself. It just, it feels kind of crappy because you have to take on debt. Gotcha. And it's safe. It's safe. You will be able to make it back. But I like the word that you use, you know, about survival. I mean, in some, in some ways, yeah, it is surviving because you don't have an income and, you know, you're kind of just working for free, but you're going to be living in Boston, you know, it's not, not like the Midwest. I guess I couldn't really relate with surviving because it's not my first time around living in New York City. Like again, we did our GPR, Eric and I did GPR in New York um, and I lived in Manhattan for a year. And I think a big part of me moving back over here is to experience the New York City magic because I don't think I did that much in that one year time that I was here before. So now that I have two years here, I don't want to just survive like I did. And that was with an income. We had a stipend. I do want to live a little bit and explore what it has to offer while I'm still in my 20s. Mm, Gotcha. I mean, I do think it will initially affect me a lot because going from undergrad to grad school, I actually didn't feel that kind of pressure because I was just never used to making money in the first place, right? But Mm -hmm. when you do make money, you know, and they say one of the most addicting things in life is a monthly salary. So when you go from that and then go to making zero money, Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like I would potentially feel a significant degree of anxiety. So that's why I wanted to 
see what you thought about it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I remember. I mean, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, yeah, once you start making money, like you never want to go back to school." Or like, but I mean, money does have a big factor in whether or not I think a lot of people go back to school. But it's not just you know if you're specializing in endo, it, it really is changing your whole lifestyle too, not just for the money. Yeah, I mean, it it will pay off though for sure. I'm I'm very confident about it. <laughs> so Michael does follow your advice, by the way. I just wish he put in the high yield savings a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a that was a dumb part of my thing because I knew I was gonna do it, but I don't know for whatever reason I just kept putting it off. But I think Eric had a really good point. I mean, we already talked about it. I was feeling the exact same way thinking about you know what I'm gonna do next year. I was definitely feeling really you know anxious about like oh I must try to do a lot this year to get myself ready mm -hmm. for the next two years. But I also think it kind of gives me a false sense of security by knowing that I'm gonna take out a loan. So it's like okay, I know that I'm gonna have this money to live for the two years but then so it's like you don't feel that that immediate um devastation <laughs> yeah yeah because you know you're gonna you're gonna be okay but then i think it's a false sense of security because after you're done yeah. well now you have a bunch of that that you have yeah. to kind of pay back yeah you're just basically i don't want to say screwing your future self because your future self can handle it but i mean i mean it doesn't help that president biden keeps pushing off and deferring the paying off the student loans but you do have it does provide a safety net whoa <laughs> Wait, no, I think it does help. <laughs> well, we we're we going we're going political here. Okay. <laughs> it does. It definitely does help, but in the sense of like, I think it is good to have that anxiety a little bit. You kind of need it, and right, right. so that you're not just kind of blowing your money. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like you still have to kind of live off of rice and beans, beans and rice. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, I want to change uh, topic to traveling. And I think to certain some extent, we all kind of, I mean, I talked to you with you guys individually kind of about uh, aspects of it, but I think both of you guys have some, you know, recent stories to share. For example, things that come to mind is, you know, Michael, when you went on to your Europe trip, I know like there were certain aspects of the trip that you thought could have been done better or, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, we, we should just discuss, like, how do we want to talk about this? <laughs> oh, are you talking about planning stuff versus not planning stuff? No, basically, I just want to talk about the overarching question was like, what is good planning? What is a good way to travel? And I do have some couple things that I've kind of wrote down. So, yeah, some of the criteria that I put down are understanding that planning compromises spontaneity. And how do you know what is worth it? It's, I think it's a question worth discussing with the people who you are traveling with and type of the person that you go to. So are you kind of more in a friend relationship or is it more like one person is the host and the guest? Because I think that does affect how anxious or relaxed that you're going to be with the people around you. Third one is the environment. So Charles and I have a lot of experience traveling in New York City and we certainly have a strong agreement as to what extent and where we should plan pretty tight so that we don't feel like we're wasting time because a lot of waste can be happening in waiting in lines and commute. You know, these days, like, you know, if a restaurant or a place blows up on TikTok, it's kind of ruined. <laughs> so you have to really be strategic about when you go and how you engage in the activities. Versus, though, I imagine, like, if I were, like, you know, just traveling to, like, a mountains in Yosemite or something like that, 
I wouldn't feel like uh, I have to be so meticulous about where I travel. You know, I think I can be more spontaneous and chill about the planning stuff and it would still be just as fun. So we can get into that more if we want. And then the last thing is, it's just more personal for me, but I think the effect that social media has on those particular people is important because I think one question that is worth asking to all of us is like, are we going to this place or doing this thing so we can tell people that we went to it or post that we went to it? Or because like we want to genuinely enjoy the fleeing moment of happiness from that activity. And I'm, I have no judgment as far as which way you go. But having a clear idea of that will help me set up reasonable expectations about where we go and how we plan things. So. Oh, I, I couldn't remember everything you listed, but that last one was making me think of things. And is it for social media? Is it for yourself to experience? I think it could be both. Well, for me, it's more making memories and, you know, you're paying money for experiences, not really the photo, but using a photo or video camera or something like that will, will help you remember what you experienced. You know, if you were to look back at that video at the same time, why not show a friend? But I don't know. I, I think it's more for myself. I really treasure living in the moment, but also being able to kind of teleport back in time and relive that moment through video yeah. and- i mean for sure i saw someone who's known you for a while i definitely um you're definitely uh, genuine about that we've had some time where you just kind of show me like photos of the things that you've done and you generally seem passionate about like remembering and stuff i remember when we went to uh i think we went to like a museum in la i don't know if you remember but there was like an exhibition of like every person goes in for like one minute and it's like it's a mirror room right uh-huh, yeah. And it's like when I was yeah. waiting in line, I was like, I had a strong urge to be like, oh, man, I really want to just kind of soak in the quietness and the reflections in the mirror. But I also really want to like record this moment. So I think those two can be genuine. I'm not saying one is uh-huh. superficial or not. I think kind of like knowing what kind of people you're dealing with in, in regards to that. I just thought it was important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you're if you are going with somebody who vlogs their whole trip and like has followers and i'm sure you want to have i don't know i guess it depends on their audience but you know something showy or something that's on budget or something you know whatever their followers like you're basically hosting the whole like their whole following at that point (laughs) if you were making that itinerary yeah Uh, well i think it's definitely like i think as we get older we're kind of learning right it's a learning process to figure out what kind of people you like to travel with and the style you kind of prefer you know a lot of people have different styles in terms like oh they're a planner or not a planner but i think sometimes it's not even about whether you're a planner or not because like when i compare the trips i've gone to so the japan trip i went with eric and even new york uh, versus the europe trip i went to uh, both the people who were kind of leading the group because i'm I'm definitely not a planner (laughs) but eric is a planner for sure and then our other friend was a planner as well but it's about the quality rather than whether you're a planner or not so i feel like eric likes to plan things but he focuses like how he said earlier when he was at the mirror room like he wanted to kind of soak in the moment it's important that when we plan out our activities that you want to spend time to kind of immerse in the experience and rather than uh, when i was in europe it was kind of more of a list of like oh we got to see this and we got to see this so it's like bam 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 (laughs) and then you like see everything for a really quick you know few minutes but you don't really get to appreciate it or think about how it makes you feel you know and things like that so right yeah no it's definitely at the end of the day quality matters a lot for sure i mean that's the things that you remember especially art i mean you can't really rush i don't, I don't know exactly what you did in europe but like if yeah if you're going to a museum you can't really rush art and you can't really rush interpreting art you shouldn't i mean, I, I, <laughs> I often have like totally different reviews of like you know, when i watch movies like if you ask me like right outside the theater i can say something completely opposite to how i would feel like a week later so yeah you definitely want to marinate in art 
for sure. One thing I want to just give a personal anecdote to the, the type of person point. So, you know, when we went to our New York trip, uh, the first day we kind of separated into groups of two. So I wanted to take Heather to Lucali's, the, the pizza, pizza place in Brooklyn. And, you know, that place is notorious for waiting in lines because they don't take reservations. And the restaurant opens at 6, but people will wait like starting from 12 p.m. or something. It's crazy because it's a first-come, first-serve. So I just really wanted her to try them. I took her, I think like they started taking names around 5 p.m. And we were there around like 1.30. So we were waiting in line for like three and a half hours. And uh, initially, uh, I felt a lot of anxiety because I was like, oh, man, this this is terrible. Like... I made her pay all this money to come to New York and I was just waiting in line. I feel stupid. and uh, But I appreciate that she kind of assured me that she's cool with it. And I don't know, for some reason, I just like, I just believed her. And a part of it is because I think, you know, you know, we're friends. So I just kind of decided to trust her that like, this is okay. And, you know, we, we chatted up with the people in line. We got to, you know, try try out like a coffee place nearby and stuff like that. And uh, overall, like, you know, I felt pretty good about it. Even though, <laughs> even though the pizza was like not to my expectation dude like the second time we went there mark mark icono he wasn't even there and it wasn't as good as the first time but i felt very relaxed and i still felt coming out of the experience positive because like uh she like treated me like a friend and i treated her like a friend as opposed to like a host guest relationship mm. so yeah like if you know that like so you know if i go on a trip with you michael like i know that like you know we're gonna be fine <laughs> like <laughs> neither of us gonna be like super upset if like we have to wait a little bit or you know you know if something like minor goes wrong here and there like i'm not like getting my bills off you know what i mean as opposed to like you know if i were hosting then like maybe i will be very vigilant about planning because i don't want them to wait in lines too long or you know deal with like inconveniences and stuff like that that's what i meant no i'm just like even just thinking well i'm definitely not a planner but just even thinking about planning all that is is kind of stressful it, it, depend, it definitely depends on what their expectations are. I mean, I'm like trying to think, oh, yeah, well, what if you're going to like we were most favorite city in the world? Like would uh, going back to you and Michael thing, like if you if you were to go to, I don't know, your most favorite convention in the world or something and like all you did was wait in line for half the day, like is it worth? I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking like if the stakes were higher like would you guys still be okay i think we would be (laughs) yeah i kind of think of it like i think it is very challenging i think we have to accept that because it's like how it feels like it's like if i were to show you like my favorite movie of all time and you know you know how Mm. it's just not they don't receive it quite the same you know like Mm. if i show you a funny clip like check this out man but it's just like you, you never give me quite the laugh that i want you to (laughs) you know so i I think it is hard to um give them that same kind of experience that you want them to have so uh i think it goes back to what michael said it's like if you have good quality people around you like they'll learn to kind of lower down their expectations or show a lot of appreciation for what you do and i think that makes the stress of the travel easier Uh, but it is hard it is hard but luckily there's people in the world who enjoy planning like eric well you know i do think that that's something we should kind of maybe normalize where we always separate like, oh, these people are planners and these people are not. But then when we say stuff like that, yeah, then it kind of puts a pressure on them too. You know, say, like, oh, he's the planner, and like maybe he doesn't yeah, want to be a planner all the time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely don't. No. <laughs> yeah. What if like you know how people who travel in groups have like a 
Excel spread or like a Google sheet. You know, Eric, I think he passively likes to look up videos and like see what there is to do around town. Like, and, and if you, I feel like in a group setting, you can like jot down, you know, some things you like and might want to check out. Maybe you can separate them in columns like must sees and like maybe must sees. I don't know. <laughs> but like, and then yeah, I think other people who want to get stuff out of the trip too, who might not be super into planning, but like heard about one or two things that they really want to see can add that on there too. I don't know. I just, I, I don't get as many ideas from researching because i don't research my travel plans gotcha. that much all right well that'll wrap me up for me um let's uh, head over to michael oh well, i just had some questions because you know i wanted to get to know charles even better so oh, okay as a sf native i was wondering what are some of the kind of hidden gems that you like to go to and it, it can be anything restaurants desserts or oh. attractions because i feel like sf has you know a lot of big wow. popular attractions you know people always go to the wharf okay well first last time i lived in sf was 2018 so it's been it's been a while or four years i think a lot of the hidden gems that I experienced growing up are like small parks like Mount Zion National Park. I think that's a really sweet small area. It used to have a um, a smaller lake. Now it's they kind of got rid of the areas that you could stand there by the water, but that's where I would like feed seagulls and like and there's like this stone slide that you can people would line up using a um cardboard box and kind of slide down with it there's you know a short line less than 10 people but still i, I consider that a, hit, a hidden gem but might just be more nostalgic memory for me or vibe for me hidden gems i, I mean, mean i'm sure he doesn't want to dox out his favorite places too, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah it's kind of hard because because i didn't really spend money when i was younger so all these like hidden gems are more like parks or you're just walking down like you know Clement Street that sort of thing and just popping in like having a routine jumping into a gift store walk walking around Cosmic Comics on Gary and like 18th and 19th and then going to Joe's Ice Cream like a block away and then going to like a bobo place not far away it's it's not it's more like I guess the neighborhoods are they can check out uh let me chime in here do either of you know a little bit about the uh, San Francisco like restaurant business though because, you know, you and I were talking the other day about how, like, in New York, like, restaurants are just opening and co- closing constantly because it's so competitive. I'm guessing it's... Oh, in New York? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm sure SF is competitive, too, right? Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like it's not as competitive as, as New York City, though. Like, the ones that... The restaurants that I see that have opened up within the last few years, like, they still are pretty successful and they still sustain themselves pretty well. But in New York, for some reason, they just open. They, you know, try it out for a month or so and they decide to close and maybe they're not making enough. Um, and that's why I think the best restaurants in New York City are, like, the ones that are new. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's no line yet. And... They're trying their best, I guess, to make it. But no, I don't know the policy in SF. I'm not really sure. Uh, have you been to the Mr. Bread place where they're like kind of famous for their dantas, their their Portuguese egg tart? No, no, I haven't been there. Wait, is that on Irving and that and like is Ninth? on? Is it that one? Terraville. I didn't Heather mention it last uh, time. No, I don't think I've tried it yet though. No, but I have to. I should. Um. Why has that yeah, been I think there, it's been for, there a for a while? I think that was just um if you go too late, they always sell out really fast and they just they won't sell anymore after like a certain time. I thought you might wow, sounds like the Golden Gate Bakery, but like now in the inner inner sunset area or maybe outer sunset. Golden Gate Bakery number two. I, I guess I was also wondering if you guys have any uh, holiday traditions since it's Christmas today. So for me, family always has hot pot on Christmas Day. I feel like when I talk to my friends growing up around the Bay who are also Asian, a lot of them do hot pot too. And I don't actually know how or why that came to be because Christmas wasn't a big holiday in Asia, at least when I was growing up. And I think it's kind of the immigrants here 
who kind of do that hot pot thing. And I kind of wonder if it's because hot pot is like a very communal style of eating, right? Like we all cook in the same pot and then, you know, you'll serve each other. You'll put things on each other's plate. And then also maybe because it's winter, right? So like the hot soup is nice for the winter. So I'm just curious kind of what kind of holiday traditions you guys have. Oh, yes. Yes, it is Christmas Day today. Well, okay, I'm supposed to be at home right now. Unfortunately, my flight got canceled yesterday. So, but typically I'll be with my parents, with my family in SF and on Christmas morning it's like the one day out of the year that we go to church they usually decorate I think well my mom likes the decorations how they like decorate the church they have giant Christmas trees in these cathedrals there's no one specific one that we like to go to but I think the most recent one was St. Mary's Cathedral in SF but yeah they just we just go sit in for the Sunday service and then and then we eat lunch oh wait I didn't I didn't know about this about what that you go to church yeah that's what I was thinking I was like what that's like Christmas on Christmas day I don't know it's they have really nice decorations and I don't want us to say I'm going there to look at the decorations you know it's kind of I feel like it's a little bit disrespectful but it's festive and I don't I, it does have a special place in my heart because I, I grew up going to church quite often when I was younger can you can, can you clarify this I, I thought you had a, a Muslim last name <laughs> oh oh right so and <laughs> well I'm not Muslim and I grew up going to Golden Gate Chinese it's Chinese church Christian church for Chinese school every single day after school so kind of got involved with the fellowship and sometimes went to Sunday service before when I was younger but it's never been a I've never been baptized it's never been like it has been a foundational part of my life but I wouldn't say it's as big of a I don't know podium as people who are devoted Christians oh, right 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 oh but uh good, good to know I, I didn't know about this well you know it's not like I again it's once a year that we go to church yeah just like yeah we don't really celebrate Christmas here um, I mean, I like the idea of a communal hot food, mm-hmm. but I, I think you guys both know how I feel about hot pots. So <laughs> I think we'll just do like, uh, <laughs> I think we'll like have fun instead. That may be, as would be our tradition. Honestly, I think we do that. Uh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. What's wrong with hot pot? Okay. Anything where it's like, I have to DIY or self-assembly <laughs> the food. I don't like. Well, that's okay. You always have like, like in Korean barbecue, there's always kind of like one person with the tong serving, right? Yeah. That's usually me. <laughs> oh yeah. No worries. We can do it. Well, I wanted to ask Eric. I, I feel like hot pot is, is it a thing in Korea? Cause I feel like Japanese have shabu, which is similar, right? Chinese have hot pot and Thai have suki. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's more, um, it's a Korean barbecue would be the most equivalent. Oh. I mean, we have hot pots, oh. but uh, I think it's more, uh, what would sound familiar to us is shabu shabu, which is like more of a Japanese thing. Mm. So I would say if you're looking for something that's authentically Korean, that kind of reflects that it's it's Korean barbecue. That's a, also communal food. Wow. That reminds me of, of something that I saw something online the other day about how in Korea, they have a very large food waste. <laughs> they produce a lot of food waste because of like Bon China's stuff and because of that like the government charges people and families to take out their trash like by the bag is that is that right um, does that sound familiar <laughs> uh, not really but i know like it's really hard like we don't have public trash cans very like it was very oh, rare really? so they're very strict about like and lit- uh, yeah so have you guys heard like uh, people like they will either like they'll go to hotels just so they don't have to deal with trash so th- there's that and uh, sometimes what they'll do is they'll put the trash in a like a plastic bag and then store it in the fridge free freezer yeah so they can kind of use it longer without it going bad and like now you have to constantly deal with the smell oh i see i see yeah i don't know i wonder if there's a way to like make banchan like last longer i mean i was never just... a fan of the banchan honestly 
because like you know it's it's kind of like Pareto's rule i ended up like really loving one or two out of the ten and i just <laughs> keep asking for that yeah it's 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 I, I can i can see why it might be excessive for sure well what did you guys do yesterday uh charles since you couldn't uh come back oh yes yes well, my co-residence flight um, also got canceled, unfortunately. But one of my other co-residents who is still around town here hosted a Christmas Eve dinner. His name is Matt Desiderio. Yeah, he was like a chef. He was like cooking everything. And like he, he's very particular about kind of decorating the apartment complex. So it was really sweet to, to be guests, last minute guests um, for dinner. Nice. So yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Well, do you, is there anything you wanted to talk about, Charles? Oh, what about um, hearing aids? You know, I put that down just now, like while we were talking. But I was like, oh, maybe that's too personal. Like, <laughs> oh, eh, no, I, I mean, a lot of people know well, I have hearing loss. Do you want to tell yeah. us uh, when and how you started getting this uh, hearing loss? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are you laughing, Eric? <laughs> the way you asked that question was so... <laughs> I don't know. It was so... <laughs> I don't really know. Well, it's not like it's not like I was in a war and like it happened because, like, I don't know, there was a gun that was being shot next to my ear. Maybe it's because you play violin and then it's right in your... <laughs> no, no, it happened before. So so I, when I was younger, I used to go swimming lessons every weekend. And then I remember I've, I have at le- I have a history of at least 10 ear infections. And I know that has some to do some part you know, with my hearing loss but even before that i had just like i feel like i had more period of position to, to hearing loss um, but i first noticed it when i was in elementary school we'd have those annual hearing screening tests and i would always fail them and they you know make me stay a, bit, a little bit later and test my ears further and then refer me to the audiologist and then i think it was when i was maybe nine years old when i went to audiologist audiologist with my mom and they they um cleaned out my ears you know make sure that it's not that that's preventing my hearing loss uh and and said yeah you have hearing, your son has hearing loss you know it's not going to get any better recommend hearing aids if he really needs it at that point it was just mild hearing loss but i guess that was my first time being officially recommended hearing aids and then i think in undergrad and physio lab we did the um, hearing test as well. So I have like a little chart with my results there. And then in dental school, we had that audiology program and I had my ears tested there and I can see it's getting worse. I got my ears again checked recently a few months ago, got worse, I have moderate hearing loss now. And I can tell it's affecting my studies at school. So I decided to get hearing aids, try it out. These are prescriptions though. These aren't the ones that you can get over the counter, even though you can now buy them over the counter uh, for much cheaper. Yeah, I, I can definitely tell a difference. My sister, my eldest sister also has hearing aids. She's she's had it for about, I don't know, four years. Yeah, let me let me let me add in here because uh, you know when they say one door closes, another opens. I can tell you he's a very good lip reader. Oh, as a way of uh, adapting to that situation. So hey, you know there's a silver lining. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think if I didn't have hearing loss, I wouldn't be a dentist. Yeah, I really. Yeah, think I that. mean, I did tell you about like I think hearing loss is important like to address it because I think it does affect just like your ability to socialize because like when you have to ask somebody like what the second time. <laughs> And especially if it's like a funny joke or a funny story, it definitely takes the gas out. You know what I mean? It's like it's like asking someone to explain the joke, kind of. Yeah. So I, I think if it happens constantly, I can definitely imagine how like. <laughs> yeah, Eric, you don't have to imagine. You've told it to me to my face already. Oh, okay. Right. Well, I have to go there. Then. <laughs> yeah. It's. <laughs> It's true though, and and I know I know explaining a joke takes the magic out of the joke. It sucks, it really does. But yeah, it, and because of that, it adds to the like, del- like the anxiety, the social anxiety. 
that I think a lot of people with hearing loss has. How fast is it worsening? Is it going to eventually become really bad? <laughs> um, well, the audiologist said that, yeah, if I already have hearing loss, like I am more predisposed to have additional hearing loss compared to people who don't. So it's only going to get worse. I mean, I think you can imagine, especially me with a hearing aid that's supposed to amplify specific hertz to different decibels. Like it's kind of like wearing glasses, you know, it's like only going to get worse. And the more you rely on it, I think it's, it's going to make you want to depend on it more and like make it ramp it up and i don't know maybe in five years i'll have severe hearing loss but eventually i think i do want to get cochlear implants those are really expensive yeah, i though. just want to add up here like the way michael asks questions i just keep laughing because it's like i feel like he's uh, he's like taking notes for his own like knowledge no i'm curious like, i'm like oh, I, 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 yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like his next question will be so for our viewers can you tell us uh which uh which food worsens for better hearing loss and what exercise to prevent this from ever happening? <laughs> well, I, we're all dentists, and yeah, we should have something to protect our ears. We erasers. Really erasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only when you're supposed to work, because you know there's a lot of like, high-frequency sound from your your drill or your ultrasonic, and I think it uh, just filters out the like high. So you can still hear people talk, but then it yeah, dampens yeah. the high frequency. Do you know what uh, what noise bothers me? Oh, the most? let me guess, let me guess. Dry oh, shield. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you should guess. The dry shield. Oh. It's so loud. And I can only imagine what my patient is hearing because yeah. that motor is right next to their like left yeah, ear. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I missed it. It's, it's what? The dry what? <laughs> <laughs> this is the hearing loss. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wearing my hearing aids right now. No, like um, the isolate, you know, oh, isolate or dry oh, shield. Dry shield. Like, when you turn on the thing, oh, yeah. it's so yeah, yeah, yeah. loud. Okay, I haven't used that in a long time. I've only used rubber dams. Yeah, that was a, that was a trick question. I was like, yeah. Also, oh, you do endos with the uh, <laughs> isolate? Is that is that the kind of education we're getting? Here? No, <laughs> unacceptable. No root canal if you can't put a rubber dam on it. Ooh, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I stand by that. All right, that's gonna wrap us up. Check us out on Instagram at Dental Pengus for exclusive posts that give you guys extra content slash context for our full episodes. Thank you very much again to Charles. Until next time, happy holidays, happy new year, and peace.